So let's talk about your 42-year-old lady. She's 42 years old. She presented in December of 2010 with a locally advanced invasive ductal cancer, intermediate grade, ER strongly positive, 80 to 90%, PR 10 to 20%, but HER2 3 plus positive. She was treated with neoadjuvant TCH, followed by mastectomy and right chest wall radiation, and there was some residual disease in the breast. She was not a pathologic CR. She got right chest wall radiation, was placed on tamoxifen. In August, she presented and had initially what were thought to be some inner ear symptoms and then was having some trouble with her balance and actually was beginning to fall. And she had an MRI done that showed a large cerebellum metastasis with a smaller adjacent cerebellum metastasis with ventricular obstruction. She got admitted. She underwent resection of the cerebellum metastasis, which confirmed breast cancer consistent with her original primary. She actually required a VP shunt for persistent increased intracranial pressure. She was treated with whole brain radiation, and the smaller lesion that had previously been noted disappeared with that, and there was no evidence of disease in the brain. We did systemic restaging at that time, and it was totally clean. So I restarted her on trastuzumab and gave her luprolide to try to address both the hormonal element as well as to try to provide some systemic protection, even though there was nothing that was obvious. She had persistent nausea and gait imbalance, and it was unclear what was going on. She had some eye issues related to her cerebellar disease and her resection. She had a prism in her lens, but she was still having nausea and falling. She actually underwent physical therapy to try to address that. But because her symptoms were persistent, we did an MRI to look at her spine, and she had leptomeningeal disease. Again, there's still no other systemic disease. She's been receiving spinal radiation and completes that this week. And so we were looking at what our next steps are. And she actually, again, had been seen at the time of her first diagnosis up at Dana-Farber. And we recontacted the investigators at Dana-Farber. And there is a trial looking at intrathecal trastuzumab that she might be eligible for if we can adjust her VP shunt and make it programmable so that they can block flow through it when they do the intrathecal therapy. So we're kind of looking at that as an option for her as well. So intrathecal trastuzumab, that sounds interesting. You know anything about that, Adam? Yeah, we've been wanting to use it for 10 years. There's a case report for intrathecal trastuzumab from someone in New Jersey about, I think, almost 10 years ago. We and many other investigators around the country had multiple discussions to try to get the drug. They were unavailable. I think there were some people in MD Anderson that published some limited data on this. And I think it's the reasonable thing to do to try it in the context of a clinical trial, a controlled clinical trial, and see if there's really benefit for it. Because, you know, clearly, at least as far as people are thinking, that trastuzumab does not cross the blood-brain barrier as far as we know. Although that may or may not be true based on a lot of the data that suggests continuing the trastuzumab in women with brain metastases for metastatic disease may actually improve their overall outcomes. It's hard to know, and I think that it's a reasonable thing to try. Again, what are the other options? We talked about other options for this lady. Antihormonal therapy probably does cross the blood-brain barrier. She sells ear-positive disease. You know, things like capecitabine, you know, they're all options that we would do. But I think that before that, you know, a trial spot is opened, and if she can get on it, I would definitely try it. So Dana-Farber, Nancy Lynn et all have done a lot of work on CNS mets, particularly with HER2-positive disease. Anything new and exciting there, Adam, in terms of new agents or new strategies? Yeah, we've learned that there is some activity, that some of the drugs do get in. I think that from Nancy Lynn's data, capecitabine and lapatinib are an option. I think that the TBCRC, again, a group that we're part of and Nancy Lynn's group is part of, is thinking about TDM1 
for brain metastases. There was at least a company that had developed a drug that apparently it was paclitaxel bound to a protein that was specific for receptors of the blood-brain barrier. It's called LRB1, I think was the protein. And at least it had some initial, we were gonna participate in a trial with the NCI and I believe a group in Florida. I don't know what happened to that study. I think the company ran out of money or something like that and decided to cut back on the study. But there was some things like that going on. But yeah, I mean, there is a crying need right now for compounds that get through the blood-brain barrier, especially for HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer. Again, any observations on her personally, Pat, as she's going through this? It sounds like it's been a very difficult situation. It has been. Her husband's been a real rock and has been helping her to get through this and has been in the forefront of making sure that we've been keeping this dialogue going with Dana-Farber. She, in some sense, she's got four children at home, so she really wants to be around for them. She will do what she needs to do. She's feeling better now that she's had the spinal radiation. Her balance is a little bit better. She came in in a wheelchair in part because of the steroids, in part because it is quite a hike from the parking lot into my where my exam room is. But I think overall she's feeling better and her spirits are improved, and I think she's looking forward to this option. Any observations on her as a person, Adam? No, I mean, she really has been a trooper through this. It seems like she's really a trooper, and she really wants to be around her kids. I mean, she wants to do the trial because you think it's a good option, but she's kind of concerned because she's going to be spending so much time away from her children. How old are her children? I think 15, 12, 10, and 8. Yeah, Yeah. And I mean, the trial is going to entail her going to Boston twice a week for four weeks, and that's about a two-hour drive from here. So it's going to be a little bit of a commitment for she and her husband to do. 